Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning, Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho, welcomes you as we begin a new series, The Preponderance of Evidence. If you've met Jesus, how can you tell? Is there anything that changes? What evidence is there in our lives when we've come to Jesus as Savior and Lord? In this new series, we learn of the proof of Jesus' existence his grace and mercy for all who believe and confess him as Lord. In John 15, we hear of the witnesses of Christ's life and the witness we each have as we spend time in his word in prayer, meditation, and living as witnesses of Christ's power and life in our lives. Throughout all scripture, Jesus is the one true Savior of all, and the scriptures bear witness to that certainty of eternal life in him. And what's the difference between stubbornness and faithfulness? Usually in the center of stubbornness is an ego, a desire to be right, a desire to have your own way. But what you'll have most of the times in stubbornness, you're going to have a lack of reasoning that has foundation in truth. Many people are stubborn, but they don't have the truth on their side. And there's people that are steadfast in their faith. And because of that truth, nothing will move them. So this morning, I would like us to approach the text like attorneys in a courtroom. When asked questions, we got to know why we believe what we believe. You find out that people on their deathbed or in the last years of their life or the last days of their life knowing that they're about to pass away, you will find out who they really are. Most of the time they find out who they really are when they face that real life threatening illness or whatever it may be. They ask themselves, do I really believe what I've been talking about? And I ask you, what do you believe? And why do you believe what you believe? Story's been told of a soldier back in 1854 at one of the battles called the Battle of Inkerman. After he had been wounded and he was dying, he crawled all the way back to his own tent. He was found face down with an open Bible. His hand was on that open Bible in John chapter 11. And his fingers left a blood fingerprint on the verse. I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes, they shall not die, but they shall pass from life to life. They will not die. He believed that. He died that way. What do you believe? And why do you believe it? We sing Jesus is alive. And sometimes the way we say it, it's like we haven't had our coffee. Or we're not just too sure just yet. And so we're going to look at our text this morning as we see Jesus meeting these women, transforming their lives, and they leave being changed because they met Jesus. 
And usually, that is where you see a life that truly has met Jesus. It's because it's transformed. Or you'll see a life that's been transformed because you have met Jesus. You've seen Him, and nothing can change your mind. In our case, we've seen Him in our hearts. And then we've seen Him change our own lives. And so if you've met Jesus, how is your life different? So we want to entitle this morning's text and message, Point of Heaven, a preponderance of evidence. Having more than enough evidence. For people who wonder, well, why are you a Christian? And why do you call upon this Jesus? There's so many ways. And I, every time I see that sticker on a bumper of a car, it makes me puke, right? That sticker with uh, David's star, uh, the, the moon and the star. You see a cross. You see all of these different signs. The idea that there's many ways to God. And you hear Jesus in the background saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's a preponderance of evidence in the event of His resurrection. And the lives that were changed because of His resurrection and because of them having met Him. So for us as believers this morning, this resurrection and evidence has great power and significance For those that are seeking true life and salvation for the non-believer, because they're going to ask you, why do you believe in this Jesus? And for us, to help us grow and mature in our faith, in knowing the Word, and having met Jesus, how does He live in and through us? The question for the non-believer is, on what basis Should they believe that Jesus existed, that Jesus died and He was resurrected? Why not? Just another religion as of many. Lately I've been going back in time trying to get away from the new woke agenda in any TV show. So I'm watching shows from the 80s and the 90s trying to run away uh, from the influx of today's message. And I'm watching the show called Amazing Race. Maybe you guys know it where these people run throughout the world trying to win a million dollars. One of the things that really grabbed me and I said, well, there goes my million dollars. They would have them in Thailand or other countries enter these temples and light up a candle and be blessed by the monks. I'm like, whoop, there goes my million dollars. That's not going to happen. And people do it as if it has no meaning whatsoever. Oh, what a beautiful place. I think we've taught our son very well, as much as my wife and I like to go and admire the Mormon temples from the outside. At one time, the three of us were together, and they said, hey, let's go inside. Brandon said, no way. That place inside there is not holy. God is not there. My feet will not enter that place. And that is true and that is right. Why is Jesus in your life different than that Mormon temple down the street? What evidence do you have that Jesus has resurrected from the dead? Now it is clear from Scripture, both on the commandments and the proof given, the historical facts written down, both in the secular manuscripts and in Scripture, that Jesus truly did raise from, raise, was raised from the dead. There's a preponderance of evidence. We want to analyze that this morning and next week, as long as it takes us. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus puts a heavy weight 
on the testimony of the disciples. In other words, he says, I pray not for them only, but I pray for all those that will believe because of them. So therefore, this weight lays on your shoulders. We're not Christians to get together, sing a song, and be wowed by a message. We're Christians because of a testimony of a life that's been changed, a life that brings salvation from eternal damnation. I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. John chapter 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. They're not written in this book, so that, but these are written. Everything in the Gospels, in the Scripture as a whole, they have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing you may have life in His name. There's such power and responsibility that lays on the shoulder of a child of God. Your testimony brings life. The gospel that Jesus lived and died and was resurrected, that gospel brings life in the life of people. Jesus expected His apostles, His disciples, to be His witnesses. Your primary responsibility is to be a witness that can stand with certainty and declare what you know to be true about Jesus. John 15, 27, it says this, And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Because you've been in my presence, you will be a witness. You've got to talk about it. Acts 1, 8, we see that the time that the disciples spent with Jesus... That was a transforming power. Not the touch and go of one meeting a week. Not the reading of scripture on the screen. But the time that's spent in the Lord's presence. That we are called to know Him. Live with Him daily in the Word. That's what changes. That's what gives you power. And an effective witness. Acts 1.8. Notice the words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And only then you will be my witnesses. You cannot talk about Jesus unless your life is filled with the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't happen with a wish and a wonder and a prayer. That happens as you spend time in the Word. And that Word becomes prayer. And that Holy Spirit power comes over you. And then you will be witnesses all over the world. Time in His presence will give you power both in quality and effectiveness. Look at Acts 1.22, especially when it comes to His resurrection. Beginning from the baptism of John until the day that He was taken up from us. He's talking here. Uh, Peter says, listen, we have to replace Judas. But who would he pick? And there are some requirements who would qualify as an apostle. He said, listen, it has to be someone that has been with us. From the time that he was baptized, to have seen Jesus, touched Jesus, has seen him work, until the day he was taken up, one of these men must become a witness to his resurrection. And that is placed on our shoulders. What is my witness? I'm a witness. Not that God is good and he gives blessings. No, it begins with Jesus is alive. So then the world together with the Lord says, so what? How are you different? Because Jesus is alive. Look at all the verses I keep talking about. We are witnesses. We are witnesses. 
Acts 2.32, then Jesus, this Jesus, God raised up, Peter preaches, and of that we are all witnesses. We will live for it and die for it, Acts 3.15. And you kill the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Acts 4.33, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And you may say, well, I don't know what to talk about to people about Jesus. How do I start my conversation? Start with Jesus is alive and he can give you eternal life. Beginning of the conversation and something within them that is thirsty and dried up will say, I want to know more about this Jesus that can give me life. Acts 10.39, and we are witnesses of all that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. I was talking to somebody this morning, the idea they hung him on a tree as a child. I kept saying, no, they didn't. They, They put him on a cross. No, the idea is being hung on a tree is a symbol of a curse. And that became a tree from which he hung as he was cursed because of my sin and your sin. They hung him on the tree. God raised him on that third day and made him to appear. Circle verse 11. We'll come back to that later. Listen to what it says. He appeared not to all the people. God has something going on mysteriously with the people that he elects and chooses. That should make, should ring a bell of awakening of God showing His grace upon you and me to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, He did not appear to all, but to us who had been chosen by God as a witness. You've been chosen not to feel good and evade any trouble in life. You've been chosen to be a witness. But do you really believe? Can you really stand and say, I know for certainty that my Redeemer lives, even as Job said, Acts 13, 31, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. As we read all these evidences given to us from Scripture, manuscripts dated back to A.D. 90, A.D. 60, A.D. 131, within the lifetime, proven to be real and authentic. We will analyze to see that when God wrote the the, the events of the Lord's resurrection and the events after His resurrection, they're not just written to sound good. They have a specific reason in proving through factual evidentiary witness data that Jesus resurrected. And if He did... He is all that He said He is. And all that He said will happen will take place. We see in the witness of these disciples the strength of their testimony. We see their commitment to their mission because they have seen Him alive. And we see that they have a reason to live. It changes everything about your life. If you see you've got no reason, no purpose, meet Jesus as the resurrected Lord and everything will change Why do you wake up on on Monday morning? You must be a witness. You'll have the strength, the commitment, and the reason to live. And all this is based on their personal experience with the risen Savior. I said it before, I'll say it again. New life, eternal life, being born again does not happen by osmosis. No one has always been a Christian. 
There's always a moment when you meet Jesus and you say, now I accept you as my Lord and Savior. It doesn't get passed on like an inheritance. It is accepted through repentance because if His sacrifice was real, so is your life's transformation real. They believed in his life. They believed he was the author of life. They believed that God raised him from the dead. They saw him resurrected and they fellowshiped with him. How do you know? I, how do I know he lives? Because I met him today. I walk with him in the garden. I talk to him in his word. So we'll tackle the first point of approach to these evidences. And we'll call this the overwhelming weight of evidence. And we'll take a look and see the importance of these witnesses. First point, first principle. The overwhelming weight of evidence. And everything here is overwhelming. There's more than you need. The weight is real. And we'll see what the evidence is. First of all, we'll talk about the demand of the witness multiplicity. The Bible requests that there be more than one witness. All right, the demand for witness multiplicity. God doesn't give us and say, listen, just believe because I said it. He actually follows his own rules and laws when it comes to proving the case. The strength of or weakness of any testimony in Scripture and in our laws today is affected by the number of witnesses. The more people that you have that have witnessed a situation, the more credible their testimony is. And people are convicted. No questions asked. When you have two or more witnesses. Look at Deuteronomy 17.6. Deuteronomy 17.6. He started back with Moses and the law God gave him. On the evidence of two witnesses or three, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Not good enough. Why do we believe that Jesus is alive? There's an overwhelming weight of evidence in the witnesses that Scripture puts forward. Today, the number of witnesses in our judicial system plays a crucial role. The more witnesses you have, the stronger the case. Secondly, not just a demand of witness multiplicity, but we have the dynamic or the power, the dynamics of the spectrum of witnesses. And here's where we start digging. There's a power and a purpose why God has chosen people from every walk of life that have come forward saying, I have met Jesus. Not just his closest friends, but as one different from another. They didn't get together in a consortium one day say, hey, let's have the same story. Look at what the Lord has done in proving through testimony to us today that Jesus is alive. The dynamic spectrum from one end to another of witnesses. And the Lord has used it because of his strategy trying to pierce our hearts and strengthen it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15.3. 1 Corinthians 15.3. The theologians call this the kerygma of faith. If anybody ever asks you, well, what is the gospel? I was listening to a message which said that today, people that are churched and educated, more than 64% could not clearly describe what the gospel is. Oh, it's the good news. God loves us. No, that's not the gospel only. 
1 Corinthians 15.3 is one of those, beginning with verse 3, is one of the beginning, the, the, the complex presentation and compilation of all the different um, levels of what this good news is and what God has done. Here's the good news. For I delivered to you of first importance, most importance, what I also received. One, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture. The first foundational point of the good news. Jesus died for your sins as Scriptures have prophesied. It's all packed in that one phrase. Second, that He was buried, proving that His death. He didn't fall asleep. He didn't faint. He was dead in the tomb for three days and three nights. Three, that he was raised on the third day. God has the power. Jesus prophesied it and Jesus fulfilled it. He was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. Notice the repetition of that phrase. Scriptures and scriptures and scriptures know the word of God. Four, and that he appeared to Cephas, meaning Peter. He died, he was buried, he was raised, and then he didn't just Go to heaven and disappear like any of the other false prophets the world worships today. He appeared to all of these people. And then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as an untimely born, he appeared also to me, says Paul. Let's look a little bit at the spectrum, this gamut of the different people that Jesus appeared to. First of all, he appears in an individual way to a denier. To one that said, I don't know this man. And he didn't do it just once. He did it three times. He was not playing the game. He was not in on the joke. He didn't just act and told what he was told to do by Jesus. He acted in his fleshly way and said, I don't know this man. I want nothing to do with this man. And Jesus appears to this denier. Verse 33. The eleven and those who were with him, with them gathered together saying, this is back in Luke chapter 24. The Lord meets with these two that are going towards the village of Emmaus. They come back, they meet the disciples, and they're telling them what they missed before they tell them what they encountered. So they're telling him, listen, Jesus, he appeared to the eleven, and he appeared to all those that were together, and he, that he told them, the Lord has risen and he appeared to Simon. Above everything else, it's so important for these two disciples and for the disciples as a group that Jesus gave the time of day. And he individually pursued. We don't know where it was before that Jesus walked on the shoreline with, a, with, with Peter. It was before then that Jesus took the time. Between the time that he, he, he met Mary Magdalene, he went to heaven, then came down. Before he went to the disciples in the room, he went to Peter by himself because he needed to because he was broken for he had denied Peter that ran away and denied something changed completely in his life and strength and tenacity after he had met Jesus the world bears witness to Jesus' existence and his power at work in his believers for the gospel is this, Christ lived, then died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, was buried, and rose again on the third day, 
He appeared to his disciples and to more than 500 at one time. In faith, Jesus the Christ has come into each who believe and is here today for each of us living still. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we know you live in each of us as we are in you and you abide in us. Help us, Lord, in any unbelief we have because we have heard you calling to us. We have seen you in our hearts as you meet with us, telling us to follow you, to live a life full of your direction as your followers and disciples, and you will raise us up to life eternal on the last day. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone, 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.